Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. All right, well, the next speaker of the house, be a Big 12 coach. That and more today on the uh, Neighborhood Watch. Spencer McLaughlin here of Locked On Pack. Can I throw my here. hat in the ring? Am, yeah, I, go ahead. am I allowed to do that? Yeah, Apparently anybody can be, can be Speaker yeah. of the House. So I humbly nominate myself for the title of Speaker of the House. There are people, the presidency. I, I cover, I cover, I, I like pay attention to politics. I do not know. Like there are a lot of people. I do not know their names. who are just. All yes, sudden, that's correct. No. I'm, so why I'm, not Kyle Weddingham? Yeah, I, I once upon a time, I don't know if people know this about me. I used to uh, be on the political, on the politics or law career trajectory. Yeah. That's where I wanted to go before I made a quick pivot and came into the sports broadcasting realm. So I follow that stuff super closely, and I know more reps than the, just the names of more reps than people right. uh, than, than the average American. And there are some names going out there. I'm like, I'm sorry, who from where? What have you That's ever why done? Deion Sanders Ex is the man me? is the leader that we need. That's why Coach Prime <laughs> is the only one. Uh, so we're going to talk about the four big, the four schools in the Pac-12 that are going to be coming to the Big 12 because uh, Utah is a wagon. Colorado obviously has been up and down, but like they've they've had pretty good success. And I, I've actually been really impressed the Arizona schools. Arizona's good. And mm -hmm. then Arizona State is just playing so hard, and they mm -hmm. don't have players, but they play really hard. So we'll get to them in a little bit. But first, we have uh, some realignment-ish. I guess you'd say, yeah, realignment-ish news. And for the first time since the last failed alliance, a word alliance has appeared. And Ross Dellinger has a report on uh, Tuesday. So this comes out of the show, comes out on Wednesday. But how a new alliance proposal involving Washington State, Oregon State, could impact the college football playoff. As always, whenever we reference literature in this, we encourage you all to go check it out on URL's own. Uh, and Ross, obviously, one of the best writers, storytellers, and reporters that we have. So the angle here is this, that they would have a scheduling alliance, obviously together, but it would be a scheduling alliance that would be, uh, you know, they would align themselves with the Mountain West. Now, Here's the big thing, Spencer. I think it's the one thing people do not understand and they need to understand. Oregon State and Washington State are fighting for control currently in the courts of the Pac-12. And what that means is they will have a chance to basically take on the Pac-12 and assess both the assets and liabilities of the conference, which will help them make the best possible choice about how to proceed. And they have been saying that they probably have some kind of idea about the finances, but like you really, I mean, with Larry Scott, hell, you really don't know what's there until you dig deeper, right? The whole Comcast thing shows that. And that's what the schools have been asking for patience in this situation. So this feels like it would be temporary, right? But to me, at least my read is they're trying to, this is a temporary band aid, a scheduling situation until they can get a hold of the pack. And then if they do assess what the next steps are. Yeah. So the most likely option for the bees and the Cougs right now is of 2024 appears to be operating as the pack two and cobbling together a schedule. It might be a stopgap, you know, kind of 
bury the hatchet sort of season in terms of, you know, swallow the pill and just take it, let it, it won't be a, a bun- against a bunch of great teams, but their priority right now, and we should have resolution here within probably the next six weeks. I would say mm-hmm. the transfer portal window for football opens on December 4th, yeah. which I don't, I don't know what galaxy brain genius came up with the schedule in college football. It makes absolutely positively no sense you cram off-season storylines into a a time that's during the season it's just it's utterly ridiculous but anyway so they're trying to get control of that and let's say that they do they could be as they could be the pack two in 2024 they could play twice once in the regular season once in the conference championship they could really play three times they could play a home and home I suppose mm-hmm. um, I'm not clear as uh, or I don't I don't fully understand all the bylaws with regards to scheduling, but I do know that schools have a lot of control over that. So they could play a home and home and then meet again in the pack two title game. And then during that, you basically right. use it as a stopgap filler season while they figure out how to rebuild the conference. And if they get control of the assets, Josh, there's a lot of money that comes with that because the pack as a league. And, and you kind of touched on this that I don't think a lot of people understand. The PAC as a league exists as a legal entity in right. the realm of the college football world amongst fans and media members. It does not because there isn't an actual conference there. But legally speaking, it does. And the ability to strip a conference of autonomous five status, depriving it of NCAA tournament units and most importantly, college football playoff payouts which are going to increase dramatically with the 12 team playoff in 2024 and beyond entitles the members of that league to those particular assets. So if Washington state, Oregon state stays the pack two for 2024 and cobble together a schedule, they could split amongst themselves or have, you know, to, to use as they please the same amount of postseason revenue that other conferences are splitting amongst 12 to 18 schools. And what that could help them do is account for the loss in media rights. So, revenue. Uh, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll stop you there. Do you think that's likely though? Because my, my whole thing with this is I know we will be fighting for that, but the issue I have at that point is I, I have a really difficult time uh, seeing if you're the other conferences, right. And you are in alignment in, in these, in these areas, like you are not handing that kind of cash over to those schools. Okay. It's so just, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So, so I, I, I totally, I, I totally under, understand your point. That, I'll, I'll explain. And then, uh, and then I'll touch on that. So they could use that money if they're able to get it for a year or two to backfill their athletic departments and, you know, keep their coaches well-paid and everything like that because of the loss in media rights revenue. And then, you know, cobbling together a media deal for next year, that that's where this situation gets particularly tricky. You'd maybe have Apple yeah. involved. Maybe you wouldn't, I don't know. We, we just have to wait and see. You could also, if they're able to get all that money, use it to help pay exit fees for other schools who might want to come and be a part of the pack and operate under the label. Because the NCAA has a two-year grace period if you fall under the eight-team minimum threshold. So there are two se- there could be two seasons in which it's a two-team conference and then something has to happen. I tend to agree with you that I don't know why in a world in which Oregon State and Washington State, for reasons beyond their control, have been continuously and routinely screwed and left behind by this entire process and the other schools and the other conferences in the country, why all of a sudden they would just let them have this major benefit? Now, morally speaking, that's what should happen because 
you can look at it and say, well, it's not fair for them to get all that. It's not fair for them to get left behind. Don't, don't talk but about what's fair. Why are we here anyway, right? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, don't, yeah, the morality. Yeah, I don't want to hear anything like, oh, well, that's cash. not fair, and which, which I agree with. I don't know that the other conferences and the other schools and the other presidents are going to see it that way. Because so far, all they've done over and over again is, nah, let's just leave them behind. Nah, let's not do what's in their best interest. Nah, let's screw them in this entire process. So I tend to agree with you that the other conferences will look at that and say, mm, wait a minute, why are we having to just give you know a few tens of millions of dollars and they're getting many tens of millions of dollars for those two schools, but ours aren't getting as much and we're the ones making the money and all that sort of stuff. The legal process for changing the Pac-12 status as one of the autonomous or power five leagues is something I do not have firsthand knowledge of. I am leaving that to everybody's lawyers. I don't think anyone has a great sense of how that's going to play out. But from a mentality standpoint, I fully agree with you that on, on, on principle to me, the other conferences will probably look at it and go, mm, no, that's not right. And try to strip the pack of its autonomous five status and the privileges that they are granted having get having gotten that label. But whether or not they can do it is the question. And that's what Oregon State and Washington State are going to have to figure out and are trying to figure out as we speak. Yeah, so this is going to be a huge, obviously a huge part of this. And the uh, the payout uh, individually, you know, annually is is $6 million to to each, I think each school is like what it ends up being is like $6 million, you know, from the For the CFP. college football playoff? Yeah, yeah, I think that's what Ross says here. Uh, if they remain a two-school conference, Oregon State and Washington State may be considered independents within the CFP format and only eligible for at-large berths. Um, it's not been made but most people believe that's the expectation. He says, while most believe that the two schools are in line to receive from the C uh, CFP, their individual school distribution as a power five program, an annual payout of $6 million a year, there is no guarantee of an automatic qualifying spot. So I think the idea like that they get control of the PAC 12 and just, you know, it's like, you know, it, it, that'd be a victory for them, but I don't know if it's the victory everybody thinks it's going to be. And also too, once again, they have to assess like, if you're going to keep the PAC 12 going, you know, there might be some debts there uh, as a legal entity that you're going to incur as well. And you have to understand, OK, you know, between the Pac-12 uh, TV, uh, Pac-12 network, right? It, is that going to remain or are there assets there you could potentially sell off from the Pac-12 network to help you net some more cash? When it comes to NCAA tournament revenue, no, I think there's a question there as well. Hey, how many shares are you getting? Right. right. Those units are typically distributed based off of your team playing in the games. And they only have two but, teams, but, 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 right? But, so. but, right? Right, right, right. But the NCAA tournament units also have a holdover quality to them. So there's, you know, a few ten. No one knows the exact numbers, it seems, but there are tens of millions of dollars in NCAA tournament units to be distributed to members of the Pac-12, which if there's just two, suddenly you go from getting like, you know, two or three million dollars to suddenly that's uh, significantly more. You're probably pushing 20 at, at, at that point in time. But uh, you, you said something and I'm now forgetting what I wanted to to jump in on, but maybe it'll come to me in uh, in, in just a moment. Um, I, I think that for for Oregon State and Washington State, if they're able to play as the Pac-2 for a year, it, it's weird. But if they're able to get the money that they need to continue spending at a power five level, it makes it kind of an appealing option. And then you could go forward and try to rebuild the conference the way that, I you know, I talked about all summer is like grab a couple American teams, grab the best of the mountain West, build the best conference that you can. And the question again is going to become, 
what is going to happen with their autonomous five status? Is there a way for the other conferences? Do the other conferences want to come together? Or do they take pity on the beeves and the cougs and say, you know what, let them have it. We're still we're still getting enough money here. Now, oh, I remember the question that I wanted to ask. So six million dollars per school just as be, just for being a power five member in the new college football playoff era with the 12 team format. But isn't isn't it a lump sum paid to the conference and not based on a per school basis? I thought it was a conference. I, I think. Right. It, it is. But that, that is the per school uh, breakdown normally for power. Right. But so if getting. but but that's what it ends up being once you divide everything up roughly in these you know new big mega conferences. But if Oregon State and Washington State are alone, aren't they then given all the money that is normally dispersed amongst 18 teams and yeah. instead goes to two? But, well, that's that's this is what I'm saying here is that there is no chance in hell that because once again, the CFP is made up of the conferences, right? Like that's the conferences and the TV networks. Um, the 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 conferences are the ones who'd be like, yo, no, like that's like you like I that's mean, what that again, and that's court? what and that's but, what I would then, think. There just has to be there has to be an actual legal avenue there. Like it right, sounds well, correct in theory. Here's here's what I would say: is this would go to court, and I would say the case of the conferences being like. This is a competition of our agreement, right? Conferences have bids. We've decided that. But what they are right now is not a conference. And if you were even to use the NCAA argument, right, about the, you know, I know NCAA governs college football. Remember, the, the college football playoff is not an NCAA sanctioned event. No, it is not. Right. So I think if you were, you were to say, hey, like, you know, those, you know, that doesn't necessarily like really apply here. And that's, that's my whole point is in the spirit of what a conference is, that that two team league is not it. I, all all things you know aside, whatever. But like, if you're Greg Sankey, if you are you know uh, uh, the Tony Petiti, right? Like, I'm fighting that. If I'm the president of those schools, I'm fighting. I that. I'm too. not just handing. I'm not handing over that money. I don't care what agreement it is because that is not the spirit of of what's happening right. here. So, I would I I would too if I were them. I would feel the same way, and I imagine they will feel that way. My one question is. Everything, a lot, a lot of things sound good in theory, and then in reality, there's a logistical hurdle. There's a lot. That's what I'm saying about the two-team something like right? that. And That's I think what I'm saying the, about a two-team league, right? But the NCAA is clear that hey, you have a two-year grace period. That bylaw is there, and I'm sure it'll be brought up in in court. And I'm not pretending to be a legal expert just because I did mock trial in high school by by any means. Right. I'm just saying like. I agree with you, but I don't think we can say with 100% certainty mm -hmm. that the pack will lose all the privileges of being a Power 5 conference if there are only right. two teams in it. Like, that is that is not a guarantee. It's a possibility, not not a guarantee. Right. And, uh, yeah, and I, I think the idea that they would try to pursue, and once again, this legal matter is, you know, they need that unanimous vote, right, to, to change some things. Uh, I think the idea would either be to find a way to say, hey, this representative no longer has a place with us, right? To say, because it's not a conference anymore. Or you're just saying like, look, we'll distribute some money to them, but we, will not, we are not going to distribute as much as, as was agreed upon. And that's what I'm saying here, folks, because all the reporting that we're seeing is saying, look, here's, here are the avenues, here's the situations, right, that we're seeing. But there's no... 
there's no like movement from a power conference going grab them, right? The, the, the things that people have floated is the idea of, oh, well, they, they're gonna have a lot of money, which could be really appealing. Once again, uh, that's a one-time thing, right? And also, if you were to add these schools into your conference, you'd be shuttering the Pac-12. So like, how much of the assets are you gonna end up getting if you're taking them on to get the assets from the old conference, right? Like there is an argument to be made, hey, you know, how much ownership do you have of that kind of stuff? So there's that, also it's a one-time thing. Also too, it's like these schools, I'm not demeaning them at all. They are both good at football, but let's be honest, people are not watching them. I know people say, oh, it's on. The reason why those games get viewership is because they typically are on later on at night and they're the only games on. That is why people talk about the late, the late night windows having value. That was a big conversation point. But like Pullman's got 50,000, less than 50,000 people in it. Mm, all right. But your brand, your brand can supersede your, your market no, size. No, that's, that is totally true. But let's be honest. There's a reason why Washington State and Oregon State are, are not at the dance right now. Uh, there, there's a reason. Yeah. That I, is, I a, think that, that is the reason why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, why. and yeah, it's, it's, it's a big reason. I obviously think that it is an oversight from the conferences that are out there. Like why, like SMU has never played a power five football game and they're, but here's, here's they're the going to go into the is, ACC. I would tell you, it's like, it's not an oversight because if, if, if we're just chasing cash, which I mean, like once again, all this stuff is not good for the sport, but if our goal is to make as much money as possible, it's not an oversight because like if SMU is willing to go to the ACC and forego seven years of, of television broadcast money. And you know, like what's it's the, it's the Rutgers conversation, right? You don't add Rutgers because Rutgers is good and they've been good at basketball recently, but because they're good at football, they're having a nice year. You do it because now, you know, New Jersey is the most densely populated state in the country. And the big 10 network is now on every TV there. That's true. Uh, yeah. Same, same thing goes for the, for New York city. Guess what? There might not be a ton of Rutgers alums there. There are probably some, but there's a lot of Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, Wisconsin. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, you, you get into more populated places. You are on more now. Now uh, TV is changing and whatnot, but you know, I think that's the whole thing. Like if we're just grabbing cash, uh, you know, grabbing Oregon State and Washington State is not like a smart financial play long term because they're they're not seen as assets by the television companies. And so, yeah, but like, what's the, the what's case, the major asset? Go look at the viewership numbers for Arizona and Arizona State. It's not very big, right? But what they what it's they actually smaller is, than the Beavs and than the Beavs and well, the Cougs. The value is relative to like the Big Twelve, right? Like, so the Big Twelve is adding a Power Five school. Part of their agreement, with ESPN said, "Hey, for every P five school you add, you know, it's it's equal value there." Right. Like that's that's the big key. And then they had to have Fox meet them, uh, you know, meet them at the number for the rest of the schools. Uh, if they wanted those two other schools, they would have added those other schools. And Mac Rhodes said it straight up. And look, I, these folks, they're not always the most honest, but like there is no smoke. There's no reporting. There's been no conversation about the Big 12 going and adding those schools. And honestly, the one school that they talked about adding is Gonzaga. Right. That's been the yeah. one conversation when they've actually talked about adding. So the one thing I want to say is people really don't know where all of this is headed right now. Uh, it's kind of a one step at a time type deal. Very much but, so. Uh, I, and I think it's how we have to take it. If anybody's making yeah. any big declarative statements about what is going to happen, uh, you know, no, like, I feel pretty know. confidently the big 12 is not going to add those two schools. I feel pretty, confident I, 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 I'd say that's more likely than not at uh, this point in time. Cause I don't know what they're waiting for. Like what's going to change, you know, Oregon state, Washington right. state would probably take a, $10 million a year meteor. They have, they, yeah, they have, they have, they'll never have less leverage than they do right now. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, so, that's exactly right. I don't know if how much offer lower, an olive branch. Yeah. yeah, they, I, yeah. I, I think that there, you know, there, there's a plan in, in the works. That's what the reporting has indicated to this point that, that I have seen and read that they're obviously aware of the situation and they are working on a plan. It just hasn't materialized yet. 
But I think, you know, from the outside looking in, as you, you said it perfectly, we have to take this one step at a time. You know, I get questions yeah. all the time from people who watch or listen to my show, like, hey, what's going to happen to your podcast when, you know, on, on Locked on Pac-12 when, uh, when the league goes away? And it's like, we're monitoring the situation and we're going to wait and see because we, 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 we can't have a plan of action. Like we have concepts and ideas about what, what, what to do and everything, but we can't do anything till we know what's good. If it's a reverse merger, heck it might become locked on pac 12 with the mountain West and, you know, San Diego state right. and Boise state and Fresno state. Like those are good, solid fan bases there, but maybe that's what'll happen. We, we, we don't, we don't know. And there are a lot of different outcomes. You could have the pack two. You could have the reverse merger. You could destroy the pack and join the mountain West. There, there are a lot of different options on the table and there's, a, there's, there are arguments for and against all of them. You know, I went and uh, was actually talking to some law students from St. Mary's law school in Texas uh, as they went to go do this, um, you know, mock uh, legal competition. And they were looking for background information on, on all the realignment stuff. And they were asking me about, well, you know, what what's you know, what's the most likely outcome? And I hadn't been asked that before. And I thought mm -hmm. about it and I I couldn't come up with this is the most like I'm leaning towards pack two, cobble together a schedule, rebuild the league. But between reverse merger Mountain West, pack two and then rebuild or join the Mountain West, I, 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 I'm I literally in like 34%, 33%, 33%. Like that's where I'm at. Those are all on the right. table. We have to see what happens with the outcome of their lawsuit to get control of the assets because that impacts the finances and in the caliber of the league that, uh, that that they'll be playing in. So that that's everything right now. I, I think on the realignment front is like we we have to wait to see what that outcome is yeah. and then assess what options are available going forward. All right, let's talk about these schools coming into the league. The uh, Utah has to be first. I mean, there's a chance here, Spencer, that Utah almost enters the Big 12 like feeling like this reigning defending champion. It's funny because I there's been a lot of ire from – from Utah fans, uh, you know, some folks were like, why is the Big 12 not going to go to Las Vegas for the basketball tournament? It's like, because yeah, Kansas City is a, a wonderful environment for them to do it. I mean, do you guys remember who the biggest draw is for the Big 12 in basketball? It's Kansas. Yeah. Uh, and that's Kansas City's like 30 minutes away. By the way, have you ever had barbecue in Kansas City? Uh, I, went, I went to the University of Missouri, Spencer. Come on. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot. Date of the girl from Kansas City. For well, six I mean, years. that's Come an on. SEC school. I, anyway, so, um, yeah, I, I've, I've been to Kansas City once. It was for March. Did you have Madness. Joe's? No, I went Q39. Oh, how was that? Oh, man. Tremendous. I, I have not found barbecue that is anywhere close to that wow. heavenly experience for my taste buds and my stomach that night. It was glorious. I was there for the Oregon-Michigan Sweet 16 game in mm. 2000, and I think that was 16. And it was, I mean, it, it met my expectations and then some. I have not found barbecue that is anywhere near as, as good. So I really Utah fans, need... we're not moving it. That's what we're saying. This is yeah, West Coast. Uh, yeah. telling you. No, don't, and, don't and I mean, I understand here. Utah fans wanting to be closer to Las Vegas. And Vegas is a great place to have a conference tournament, by the way. Totally agree. I, I've been there for the West Coast Conference for the Pac-12 before. Like, it's – or for the Western Athletic Conference as well. Like, it's a great spot to have those games. But – I, I don't I don't think they need to have that. that yeah, it's a one off move. maybe, yeah, but year in and year out it needs to be it needs to be. Yeah, Kansas but City. I think I think I think on the football side of things, 
how do you not look, especially with the prospect of Cam Rising actually being the quarterback for Utah in 2024 in his eighth year of college football? I'm kidding. It's not his eighth year. It's his 19th. What what about that team and that program doesn't make you think that's the Big 12 favorite next season? I I, I don't know how you don't say that. I mean, you have to see the offseason moves. Fair? Fair. Some teams could get big time portal additions. You know, we'll see how this year closes out and everything. But I mean, at this point in time, Utah in the deepest conference in in, in the country, my beloved Pac-12 is sitting at six and one with, I I, I mean, such below average quarterback play. Like they put up seven points on the road against Oregon State. They only scored seven points at home against UCLA a few weeks ago. Like this is not an offense that is anywhere it's at like 40 percent of its potential maybe 50 with bryson barnes and you know now sioni vaki is back there's the wildcat quarterback and that's all good and fine but it's pretty amazing what kyle whittingham does all he does josh is just win football games his game plan execution coaching everything about what he does is doing it the right way he does it quietly he does it humbly and then he comes out and talks about pig farmers at quarterback. I, yeah, man, it's hard. To, it's hard to not like that guy. I think Big Twelve fans might have a different viewpoint of him, but I, 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 I think he is just he is as solid and as good of a coach as there is in all of college football. Yeah, I mean, they're starting to become like it's like a, almost Oklahoma State out there, and they've had even more you know success than Oklahoma a good State's had. Yep, uh, obviously, but I mean, you know, they. <laughs> They're a powerhouse. Like they, they are a Pac-12 powerhouse now. I mean, this is they've won know, the league. They, they, they've won the league two years in a row. Here's the other thing, Josh. When we've played a USC full twice season, doing it, and they hammered Oregon twice doing it. And by the way, well, they didn't hammer USC in the first game last year, but they beat them last second time year. around. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, 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 second time. So um, when I look at what Utah has done, it's not just the two consecutive Pac-12 championships in the last. In, in, in the last several years, when we've played an actual, real, full season of college football, Utah's been to the title game four years in a row. Lost right. to Washington 2018, lost to Oregon 2019. And they and by the way, if they beat that Oregon team, they're into the college football playoff. Then they house Oregon in 2021. I was there. I didn't enjoy the day as much as I wanted to, but respected Utah immensely. And then they beat the crap out of USC by the end of the game in 2022. Like, this is just a program that is not relying on recruiting. That isn't relying on elite quarterback play. They're just right. relying on playing good, solid, sound football in all facets of the game. They don't beat themselves. They don't make a lot of mistakes and they're really well coached. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there will be a transition period just because people get adjusted to playing like new teams, right? Like Utah has got a mental edge right now of a lot of the schools they're playing just because of how, how good and, and how good they've been. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering to see you know, if that carries over, right? But, uh, you know, the, the, I think they're going to have to be the favorite, obviously, especially if Cam Rising comes back. Let's talk about Colorado, you know, really quickly here. I mean, I think it's pretty clear, like, they're going to do well in the Big 12 if Dion stays, if they can continue to get good, co- number one, get good coordinators, uh, and to obviously, like, build a roster, right? That is the big challenge for them, is roster building. Because... Uh, I think Bud Elliott's said it pretty well on cover three. You know, he's mentioned this point. He's like, look, the guys they took on this Colorado roster were deep on the depth chart at other places for a reason. And if you start having guys get banged up, you know, who are the guys behind these guys? Like it, that's, that's what this is going to, that's what this is going to be. 
Yes, they lose focus and lose the game to Stanford, sure. But like, the, it's also a personnel thing, the fact that Stanford can rally like that against you, right? Like your personnel is not that good if that is the case. Um, I agree. Colorado they, State, I mean, like Colorado State game too, right? Like Colorado State, it goes shot for shot with them. Colorado and, State should have won the football game. And, and, and did it look like Colorado State's, like the players like were that different? You know what I mean? Did it look like there was some physical no, difference, it, whatever? It, so know, here's that's the, a big key. That's the key thing. building. That's the key you, roster building. You know, Buffs fans before the year, I was down on Colorado. I thought they'd go three and nine. Turns out right. they're probably going to end up going five and seven, which yep. is a successful year one, by the way. Massive. The biggest concern and that you just, I mean, you always get pushback from Colorado fans, like big 12 fans should just, just be ready for that. As long as Dion is there, they are, they are rabid. They are passionate. Um, they've been a little quiet the last couple of weeks. Can't imagine why, but uh when before the year I suggested, hey, I think they got some skill position pieces. I just don't see it in the trenches. I don't see the big transfers. I don't think they develop. I don't think they have the depth or anything like that. Was seen as ridiculous. Not so ridiculous right now in any way, shape, or form. Their offensive line is abysmal. It is abysmally yeah, bad. bad. I think Shador Sanders they, they is the most sacks the country, I'm pretty sure. I think Shador Sanders even- is an even better NFL prospect than we might think because he is under constant duress. Like right. that Oregon game was the most outmatched I've seen a team against Oregon since, you know, insert a group of five or frankly an FCS opponent. Like that offensive line State. is horrible, absolutely positively horrible. And even Washington State's not great offensive line held up a lot better than than Colorado's did. So they'll need to add and show they can develop, but they'll be able to attract a lot of high level recruits and big time players who can make an impact. And I I think they will be competitive. I think their off season will define what they can do in 2024. Yep. I agree with you. I'm I'm with you on that. And depending on, you know, uh, they, I mean, I don't think they should fire Charles Kelly, but like, um, no, no, I wouldn't. I I don't think it's fall. Can they keep Sean Lewis? There there, there are three good players and they're all in the secondary. Sean Lewis will be sought after. I mean, I, I would be if he's willing yeah. to be a coordinator. I'm wondering if he wants to stay with Dion. Is it just a Dion thing, or does he want to go be a coordinator somewhere else? I think he's um, going to be in the running for the Michigan State job. Yeah, man, he runs that all. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. No, that'll be actually because he was a, a head coach. Idea. Here's the thing: Kent he was State. a head coach at Kent State before. That's in Ohio, right. so recruiting footprint yeah. not too far away from the state of Michigan. Guy has shown he can develop an identity on offense, and I think that it, it, it's a name that will you know, attract some attention to what has historically been a pretty good program in Michigan state. I think he could be, I, I think he could be a target for sure. Did you see the Michigan state message message boards? Those, uh, you know, I mean, message boards are just hubs of, of genius, toxic, genius of and high level intellect. They said that uh, they're going after urban Meyer. I've, that's been a thing for a while. You're not uh, sorry. Sorry, folks. Uh, oh, I, I, right. I know that. I was just wondering if you. Uh, <laughs> wondering oh, you know, well, everybody, every fan base like, says that. Crap. I know. Like, oh, are we going to get yeah, people today? No. The show I was working on today, people calling in Arkansas. They target Urban Meyer. No, no, no they're not going to do that. No, Urban Meyer is not going to go coach Arkansas. No. There's, there's uh, no world in which that happens. Let's do ASU now. So that team, ASU is banged up, but they play really, they, they play, play really hard. hard. Uh, they played also five coach. quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, they don't have a quarterback right now. Um, Jim Rashad is the quarterback of the future. I think he'll be all right. It's really unfortunate in what I labeled for ASU as a rebuild season, which it is, that he got hurt 
because he should be mm-hmm. getting experience and meaningful reps, and instead he's watching on the sidelines. So I think that sucks. But when I look at Arizona State, and then I look at the way that Kenny Dillingham talks about Arizona State, they have made the right hire here because that guy really cares. That guy really cares, not just about college football, not just about his players, about Arizona State University. And that is what they were lacking in the Herm Edwards era, is a guy who mm-hmm. really cared like that. You look mm-hmm. at the passion with which he talks about his football team and the challenge that is in front of him, they're probably going 2-10 and 10 at best in 2023, and that's okay. Stanford's probably going to go 2-10, and 10, and I think that's okay. I look at Arizona State and say, you know, they made a great hire at defensive coordinator in Brian Ward. I loved that hire all offseason. He has rewarded my faith in him in terms of that being the right choice to lead Kenny Dillingham's defense. You got your guy there because they are outmatched personnel-wise. They got a couple of good players, actually, but they they should not have been able to hold Washington's offense without a touchdown on the road, but they did. And I think that offensively, they, they just don't have the personnel yet. They don't have the offensive line. Yeah. They don't have a quarterback situation. That can be corrected going forward with recruiting. And I think that it's I, I think the way that Dillingham approaches that job, he loves that place. He loves that place a lot. And that matters. And that's what they've needed. And he's, you know, trying to get the community involved and raise money and all that sort of stuff. It's not going to be a quick rebuild, but Kenny Dillingham is 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 the right guy to have hired for this situation. Yeah, I agree. I think you can tell, like that guy gets it. He gets it. And mm-hmm. he's fighting. And I mean, I think every probably every day for them, every every scrimmage or practice is probably a fight for them with what they're going through right now and the game plan and try to get guys physically ready, all this stuff. Um, all right, last team, and we'll, we'll hit this one really quickly because I'm having uh, Michael Luke on tomorrow to discuss Arizona. So good football. Team. Arizona's Arizona's good. They're pulling an upset this um, weekend. Is it who are they playing this weekend? Who we got? Oregon State at home. They have played. Oh my god, they've had a gauntlet of a schedule. Yes, um, they have. You know, I think now they played Mississippi State. They probably beat Mississippi State. Uh, I just watched them play last week. Not very I mean, good. they probably beat Mississippi State if Noah Fafita is the starter. Right. Fafita has been fantastic. Um, their defense is like a pretty decent defense. Like they played mm-hmm. well against uh, US, both USC and, and Washington. They're allowing 94 rushing yards a game. Last year, I think it was yeah, close man. to 200. You know, you never know when it's like kind of the reverse, right? The NFL to college type guy. Um I think Jed Fish did a really good job connecting with the Arizona players that had been in the NFL and being like, Hey, we need your else, you know, help to help sell the program and yep. get those guys back. Those people believe in him. Um, I was worried. I'll be honest. I, I had some moments of doubt, but like they're fun to watch and they're, they're well coached. Yeah. Um, their quarterbacks. I mean, Fafita's young. Uh, their quarterbacks are, are not excellent decision makers. Maybe Fafita, you know, he'll probably get older and get better mm, at that. Fafita Jayden doesn't Delora. turn over a ton. D- D- well, not, yeah. Is- he had a couple choices in the USC game, a couple throws, but it was just like, you know, it was late in the game. It just not, not massive stuff. Um, Delora. Yeah. Bad decision making. Uh, I mean, I mean and, and then the, who's like running back kid they got Connors. Jonah Coleman, Jonah Coleman, Jonah Coleman. Yeah. Enjoy watching. Him Good well. football player. Most underrated Good. running back in the pac 12 by far. He has run the ball yeah, really well. Arizona, this, is, this, is, this is an Arizona team that last year went to Cal against a four and eight Cal team. And allowed Jay not to run for over 200 yards on the ground and just torched him 48 points with Jack Plummer at the helm was not a good effort. And that's just, you know, that was their big weakness a season ago. 
This year, through seven games, yeah, they're four and three. They are running for 164 yards a game, and they are only allowing 94 on the ground. They, they have improved dramatically in the trenches with the ground game and their approach and philosophy. Their defense is so much better. Held Washington to 31 points. Mississippi State only had 24 through four quarters on the road in mm-hmm. Starkville. Respectable SEC opponent. And Arizona should have won the football game, if not for four interceptions from Jaden Delore. So I, I I think I was high on this Arizona team coming into the year. And I, I think they're going to beat Oregon State on Saturday night at home in what should be a really good crowd in Tucson. All right, Spencer, appreciate your time, man. Where can the folks find you and your work and all of its variety? I am on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55, and I host Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Always good to be on with you, Josh, and great to have football to talk about and watch every single Saturday. It is a glorious, the best time of year. I agree with you. Spencer, we'll be catching up with you in a few weeks. Thanks, man. All right. See